Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. To the losers? We made an oath. I swear. If it isn't dead, 
if it ever comes back, we'll come back to We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. It's back to school time on the film board from the next reel on rashpixel.fm. We spoil movies, and this month the gang has gathered to teach me all about why people like horror movies. Seriously, what is enjoyable about this scary stuff? (sighs) Two years ago, Stephen King's It hit theaters and promptly set a record for the highest grossing horror film of all time. More than 700 million buckos in worldwide revenue. And now, this week, we have the sequel in It Chapter 2. And because of all that hullabaloo, these guys made me see both of them. (laughs) And yes, I was scared. I jumped. I stopped the movie. I ran away. I laughed when I had no other emotions to do it. It was just... Yeah. Terrible. Uh, Anyway, let me begin by introducing you to my tormentors... uh, Teachers, uh, say hello and tell me how much you like the scary stuff. See, Sarmento, what do you think? I like some of the scary stuff. I like scary stuff that is uh, embracing the genre of uh, saying using using the genre to say things, not just to be creepy. Uh, so that's that's my my preference for for what I would consider the scary stuff. Okay, good to know, Pete. Pete, how do you feel about Horror, You're right? Say hello. I'm uh, I'm learning. I'm uh, <laughs> hi. Also, uh, everyone, uh, very glad to be here. I am also uh, I, I'm I'm exploring my inner horror freak. I I feel like I'm learning. I'm trying to see more scary stuff. And I'm with Steve. If there is some sort of resonance, if there's something that is trying to make me look at it in a new and and interesting way, uh, then I am I'm all in. As soon as it, yeah, we'll talk about. It. We'll talk about what happens on the other okay. side of that. Okay, I think that's good. And now I've saved kind of the last one here. Tommy Handsome, say hi and talk to us about horror. Hi, not a fan. No, I'm a, <laughs> I'm an enormous fan. It's my favorite genre. <laughs> and back in the day, I would pretty much see everything, every horror movie, because there would always be something in there where it's like, oh, you just elevated this idea whether it was just this version of a scare or a jump scare or a pinball, or it's really about this, that is no longer an option because with Netflix and it's apparently so easy to make a movie, everyone has made a horror movie and there's so many out there that it's not possible. But no, I mean, horror movies are my favorite thing. I think they send me through the most and um, they're, they're what I get the most out of. Well, my apologies mostly to you, Tommy, because I uh, I tend to avoid the horror movies what? because I I don't generally don't like being scared. <laughs> uh, it to me, it's a negative emotion built on negative stimuli that I try to avoid. I mean, pain is meant to help you avoid things that are painful, mm. right? Fear is like that for me. Mm. I'm trying to avoid <laughs> things. Oh, jury's out on that. Scared about. <laughs> But in this one, since there's relevance to the film industry and potentially to horror as a genre, I have pulled it together and I bounced up and down a little bit, shaking my hands back and forth, trying to open my mind, trying to get where you are, Pete, when you talk about discovering your inner horror freak. Uh, I'm not comfortable with that, but I'm going <laughs> to use it because you, it's, you know, the solidarity. Here we go. Okay. 
Exactly. We're trying. So uh, I and uh, I've already seen both movies now. I went. I watched it one uh, on. Uh, I, I downloaded it and I stopped it only twenty eight times, but I got through it. Uh, and so I think I've already done the heavy lifting. So I just don't know. So as, you know, sort of a voice here and a host, I don't know how objective I'll be able to be because in my mind, fear equals bad. I promise I will try. So you <laughs> We're guys. very proud of you, JJ. Thank you. I, I feel I deserve it. No, I was legit proud of you that you were okay to go see this in a theater. Yeah. Because um, you're not allowed to like walk around and shake your, well, I guess you can. Maybe you go to like a mop. A, I imagine I just can imagine him screaming. I jumped up a bunch and I want I'm going to post I took a picture on uh, to post on Instagram and I'm going to do it. I haven't done it. I should have done it the day that we saw it. I saw it yesterday. But I took it from, you know, like the little hallway that leads up to the theater. Yeah. That the I took a yeah. picture of where the the aisle-ish thing where I watched some of the movie from. But um, What is that? So what do we call it? Is that like the foyer? <laughs> it's not yeah, so I jumped up and around, and I actually, Game you know, play. now you get to you get to pick your seats now, right? That's something that's right. so I literally picked the closest seat to the door. So to E1, the door. thank you for E1. Um, I was right there on the corner so that I wouldn't disturb anyone as I'm like, okay, I'm leaving now. Uh, there was some of that. So anyway, that, but uh, <laughs> my point about bringing up all this stuff is I don't know how objective I'll be able to be because the stuff that people love about horror. In general, I don't really love about movies. So uh, I need you guys to kind of tell me if you if this was a good one. So why don't we start there with your initial thoughts? Uh, Tommy, let's go. Let's go right from there. Tommy, was this a good one for you? It's my time to shine. Um, Yay. The movie is a bit of a mess. It's a okay. very, very hit or miss with scares. It's really not all that scary. Um, mm. But I was completely I loved the fun house feeling that I got. It's incredibly ambitious. I yeah. weirdly, surprisingly, when during I was like, what? At the end, I believe that the incredibly long running time was deserved. I oh. felt it really touched on a lot of things. I love the fun house, anything can happen kind of thing. A lot of the acting was great. Bill Hader is a national treasure. I ended up yeah. really enjoying the film and I actively want to see it again. That's cool. Will you stack them uh, one over two? I think I like two thing? over one. Okay, that's is that what you huge. were asking? Yeah, I think I like that's two a more. Big thing. Yeah, okay. and uh, you, uh, you can see Pete agrees with me. His little <laughs> red glasses of judgment. See you up there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not watching the live stream. Yeah. I should be doing that at the same time. They turn okay. more red when he disagrees. If, you, if everyone watches <laughs> their mood glasses. Okay. Well, let's hear it, Pete. What did you think of this one? Well, I I was uh, I really ended up enjoying uh, the first it, it chapter one, and I thought the kids were fantastic, just sort of vessels of uh, kind of their journey into darkness, and um, the the sort of darkness is a cleansing kind of thing. And I found myself intrigued by where we're going to go here, and uh, you know how are they going to tie all these things together? I hadn't read the book. I, I actually I should say that clear. I haven't read the book. I'm about halfway oh. through the book, and I'm fascinated by uh, how they ended up building these two movies structurally. I feel like the running time is not deserved, and it. I mean, it's just too long. And I was listening to this interview with uh, um, uh, what was Andy yes, uh, Muschietti. Director who says, yeah, I have a four-hour version of this movie 
just it chapter two. And I think for the Blu-ray, not only am I going to put all the stuff that ended up getting cut back, uh, I think there's more stuff I'd like to show. Oh my goodness. And the interviewer says, wait, 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 I'm sorry. What? You're going to shoot new scenes? Yeah, I think wow. we can. And with the performance that this movie is doing, these two movies have done, I think he has certainly the the cred to do it and um uh and and make an even bigger movie. I don't know that I'm I'm into that. I I'll I'll buy it sure because I'm, you know, I collect things. <laughs> but um it was it was long, it was a mess, and by the time it hit the end, uh, the kind of big climax, it was every bit fake things throwing <laughs> fake things at fake things. And I am I will be deeply surprised if Tommy finds that last sequence rewarding. Interesting. Well, that's, I'm glad you bring that up and, and we will definitely get to that. But my question for you it, to go to the running time question is, which final sequence are you talking about? <laughs> it, holy does, it does have some Lord of the Rings. What? Oh, nice. so I, play, I tried yeah. to leave three times and I was like, wait, but the credits haven't started yet. Okay. Anyway, I was like, what if the TV series just started that miniseries? And you're like, wait, what? This is a part of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's canon. Kiss me, fat boy. Oh, I can't get enough of Tim Curry. So, so that we, we clearly have a lot to talk about. And that's really great. But I want to hear uh, initial thoughts, too, from Steve. What did you think? I have to say, first, I'm a little bit distracted because I'm watching over Tommy's corner, just waiting for Pennywise to show up through his little vertical Shush. lines back there. <laughs> you because... can't turn this into a horror film for me now, too. <laughs> because because if this were a movie, that's oh. exactly what would happen. Is, here's a movie about guys doing a podcast, and we watch the killer come right through right. The, the slats there. Foster sits there, watches the killer come back, kill Tommy, and say... Yeah, okay. I'm all right. Tommy, with that. stop <laughs> bouncing. He's behind you. You guys. And I just keep doing this the whole time. Yeah. I do dress up foster uh, like a clown. It's cool. <laughs> but uh sure. I I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum with oh. from Pete on oh. this one. I I by the time the credits rolled, I thought, I can't believe it's only been it, it went that fast. Oh. I really enjoyed it. I've read the book and I'm curious to hear sort of the plotting on that because I knew what was going to happen having read the book. So I, you know, as far as pacing, I'm, I was long for the ride. I know what's coming. There were some, some changes that were made. Uh, you can't, it's an adaptation. You can't have everything in there. Um, and I saw that they went back. You know, we have a lot of stuff with the kids. I think there were some scenes I was expecting in the first one. Uh, we'll get into those things like the Paul Bunyan piece. Uh, so it was yeah. nice to see those things back. But to me, this was a great story about adults coping with childhood trauma and how you have to face those things head on. If you if you bury them, it it really inhibits you as a as a person. And so to me, it's a again what the genre does well is taking those things, the horror, all of that, and putting it in the context of here's a story that's communicating some ideas that people can benefit from if they sort of follow the threads and the clues that are, are presented there. And to me, this one worked really, really well. I really enjoyed it. Well, that's and it's interesting that you bring that up. And I want to talk to you about that, too, because where the line starts to blur for me when I start to get into horror films that I can kind of deal with is where we start to make those sort of artful or metaphoric through lines about what the story is about. So uh, that is something that is something that I didn't necessarily find with this, but I think that people that do will really like it. So first, you know, in, in general for me, I, I didn't super like it because of what it was trying to do to me <laughs> around every corner. Um, and, and, and of course we already kind of got into the fact of how it was way, way long. So, but it, it, 
I can stomach st- store some scary when the story is good. So uh, I first want to give a quick and very spoilerish way that I understand the story. And, and then I want to dig into the kind of stuff you're talking about there, Steve, with like, I love the idea of dealing with childhood trauma and, and how it maybe manifests later in life. But I get concerned with a story like this because there might be something else there. So this is the sequel, right? So what happens here is the creepy thing that appears like a clown and steals slash kills everyone comes back on his 27-year-old cycle. And it begins again to do his thing, prompting the only person from the first movie that's left in Scary Dairy to call in the blood pact that all the kids had made in the first one. Uh, Most of them reluctantly return and realize they've forgotten most all of everything from their childhood. So maybe that's kind of the trauma thing that could be interesting. Uh, But it also comes rushing back to them. Again, it is back and it's trying to scare the pants off them and also gain revenge on the battles from the first one. We start to learn some of the origins of it, and we try to banish it uh, yet again, but ultimately learn that standing up to our fears is the best way to crush them, regardless of whether they're spun up inside of ourselves or amplified by some alien eater of worlds. Is that right? Did I, am I getting that, very that good. wrong? Very good. Okay. Uh, that's good. So yeah. uh, I want to jump uh, to the point of, you know the sort of the 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 book of the vampire idea the 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 mythology of what 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 was in here i i really like where you were going with what you were saying in your initial thought steve of that it's about this childhood trauma and all this stuff um for me i tend to really like when they dig deep into the mythology in these kind of movies because i like to kind of explain something to myself which i think is probably contrary to what horror people like anyway because they want to be scared by it but they didn't do that here so i ended up not liking that as much but potentially that's it, it, that that would have deflated the story anyway. So I think they do a good job of treating us like grownups and saying, you figure out what you want from the story anyway. Is that kind of what you're talking about, Steve? Is, is your takeaway about that, that you saw that this was about childhood trauma and something that's greater than this story of this thing that's scaring it? Yes. And, and part of that comes from the changes they made from the book, because Again, you've got Stephen King and his huge sort of universe of stories. And so you have a scene late in the book uh, where you've got a giant turtle that has <laughs> who throws, who you throws know, up the earth. Up the uni- yeah. universe. And so you've got these forces and it, it ties back to Dark Tower and, and sure. all of those things. And, and they cut out that sort of mystical aspect of it. And I think the the best way to then approach it is make this about the characters. And so the the whole the whole quest for them to each find their tokens and that that piece made it much more personal to each of the characters rather than just a, sort of this their small players in a larger cosmic e- good versus evil battle. And I th- I think being aware of that decision really heightened for me the focus that the filmmakers were trying to put on each of these characters what their their traumas were having to go back to these locations and and face sort of other isolated confrontations they had with Pennywise uh, that, that tied into some specific anxieties and fears they had and come back with those tokens and you know we they have to destroy those tokens they have to destroy that that fear that anxiety that's holding them back so for me it was it was very present up front but again I may be more aware of that because I had Questions about how they were going to handle giant, you know, macroverse stories about, you know, 
galactic turtles. And when I saw they weren't going in that direction, I was a l- I was paying attention to those changes a little bit more than perhaps Pete, you know, who hasn't hasn't read the book. Sure. I'm kind of curious how his sense of the plotting of how all those pieces worked as an overall story. Uh, not knowing what was coming. I was actually surprised by how much of the cosmic stuff was kept in. All of that legend of Jude. That was so distracting for me, not knowing what word they were saying. I was like, should I know that word? C-H-U-D, and we're pretending that Chud wasn't already. Yeah. Um, That the, the, what became the deadlights fell from space and stuff. It is like Steve is saying, it is so much about trauma. It is so much a horror version of going through and figuring out how to move forward. I was surprised how much they actually kept in huh. uh, because that was always uh, for me in the book, the least interest. The I love the idea. I, yeah. I love the idea of a town so evil that there isn't like an evil born within it. See, now, yeah, and that's where in, in the first one, that's what I thought they were doing too. It was the town, the evil town thing. And then clearly that's something different. I like the idea also, though, that you you look at a town that has sort of been left behind in time and you're like, what? Why are they such a mess? Oh, there's actually an evil force. I don't also need that to come from space. Either way, I'm just I was surprised. I just want to get in the middle of uh, because I was surprised that they went as far as they did. Okay. It doesn't do anything for me. Right. So, Pete, did, did you. So I haven't read the book. Tommy, you've read the book. Too, yep. right? Long okay, time ago. So, but yeah. So. So, Pete, you and I haven't or you're doing the book a, a bit now. Did you gather, uh, uh, let's think of that as three separate ways to view potentially the storyline. We have the dealing with fears that come from trauma, the real sort of humanist thing. We have the cosmic story of this being thing that fell from space. And then we have the concept of this town that's kind of left behind. Which one of those, or, or were they all part of it for you? Did, did you gather parts of all of that for your in, in, taking into this movie? I'm okay. I'm two thirds there, and and I think that's really funny because you know they had this often repeated through line about how terrible the uh, yes. James McAvoy's yes. endings are, and I, I thought this is this is that Stephen King thing where they're walking that line uh, of of giving way too much of the nonsense like you know mystical space stuff uh, that comes out of the books and. They're they're trying to balance that with the the humanist piece that people can relate right. to immediately, like live in the now. Like they get it; it doesn't need to be too spiritual. They still have the three floating lights and all that stuff and the gaping maw and <laughs> and all of that, which I totally tuned out of. Like I was not into that at all. I feel like the the dose of like the 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 ceremony of chud <laughs> and all, all, you know all that stuff was just the bare minimum that they had to do. To to be even remotely true to uh, to the end of the book, yeah. I guess, uh, since I haven't gotten there yet, um, and they did that. I think they that was those are sure. some hard choices to make, and they they made those choices. But for me, I attached much more to the first two thirds of this movie, uh, and the and the idea of the way it ties to the first movie that there was there was we got to witness the trauma that these adults are now trying to live through and figure out and face, and and that was the stuff that I thought was most interesting in this movie. It was it was that uh, that sociocultural. Um, 
uh, journey. Well, and I that think they were that's making. interesting. And, and I think I think if that's the place you go with this movie, which someone like me is not going to be able to do, to be honest. I mean, I'm so scared throughout the entire thing, and I'm so fixated on what's doing the scaring that I can't get into the real sort of thoughtful, creative thing that you guys are talking about. That sounds really interesting to me. I guess for me, the point about the cosmic thing or the other thing it becomes distracting from the potential thing that you're talking about, which is this sociological thing that's there too because i'm so damn scared mm. so uh, so my yeah. point and i think that I any that. one of those stories could be interesting if we were to dig into those that's why i kind of tried to i guess segment it out into these three things but so so for my benefit it's an alien right yes. yeah I, I, okay. I mean an alien but like close to potentially almost like a an elder god from like right. Lovecraftian things. It's not just like right. he came from a planet and was like, let's go do this. He's, he is uh, Pennywise. It, it is like a force of evil that is eternal. Yeah, okay. So I just got, I got to ask this because this is, please, please, please. This is like, I'm, I was pulling out my hair in this movie, thinking about you guys in particular, uh, because like, that's dumb, right? That's just dumb. After all of this real practical oh, evil in the town, it. like to try to put a name to it and like it was an a turtle is the ultimate like uh, wise other elder god that is that that's just well, dumb stuff. Well, i love right? lovecraftian like, stuff but that doesn't match i need no. tommy to say that i need tommy to tell me that that's I, that's okay i love I lovecraftian things now. i love the idea of these uh elder gods that were there before us and everything i never needed it from the book and i never needed it in this movie this kind of explanation coming from space yeah. really minimizes i wanted it to just sort of be i wanted a town i wanted a town that was so weirdly corrupt that it almost like calcified into this living being so no i mean i'm not a fan of that in this situation pete no i'm not because that's that's exactly the problem that i had with it too was that that they got when they got away from the i mean the when this story is at its best it is it's when we are trying to figure out uh why humanity is struggling against itself. Why, where do these evil forces come from that we do such things to each other? And as soon as they try to put a uh, a kind of spiritual bent on it, a cosmic bent on it, I lost the thread. And I generally, like you put me in science fiction fantasy realm and I'm already there, but this movie was so grounded in the sewer yeah. of evil Right. That I felt like they it was kind of a betrayal of the story to do that. And now I know I'm making a critique of a book that I haven't finished yet, but I'm already going down that road of thinking this is about to get really dumb. And I don't know what to do about that because I like I feel like, oh, the ending suck. Well, you're right. That joke, it turns out there's a reason but why it, those things still, are though, funny. For the record, though, it still ended up working for me enough because it was still about confronting fear. They didn't have yeah. to go get a yeah. sword from planet Xenu and right. like, like pour Zilf on it or something like that. Like it ended up being <laughs> very human. You're right. I mean, you use the yeah. word Xenu and Zilf in, in a sarcastic spirit, but they did do the ceremony of Chud, Tom. <laughs> I know, but the ceremony was very human based and was very mm-hmm. metaphorical. Like Steve has been saying of it's almost dabbed. You can't hide behind <laughs> like Steve. It's, it's the, um, it's the ser- series of coping yes. with death. 
uh, like Dabda, they go through literally each of those points guess, as they yeah. go through. So it still works for me enough. I don't need right. the cosmic stuff, but I'm able to overlook it. From what I understand from Stephen King is that he is a believer in both. And that's why he writes these stories like this. There are other stories that he tells like this, too, where we have both of these beliefs that humanity is suffering against itself and that he also believes that there's this Lovecraftian old God that may be the cause of it. And he's create elder. He's this creative thing on both sides that can tell us both those stories. Now, for me, in this particular story, if Pennywise or the death lights or whatever it it is is in his own words an eater of worlds right and why did he just stay in Derry? and why does he only show up every 27 years he believes he's an eater well i don't know it, that's the- i mean i can see he is he is a fa- he is a fake person right. yeah. he is a straw person that just lives on fear Right. Uh, and so kind of like certain politicians that we know, like he just lives on, I'm the most important thing that you have to think about. And without your scare or adoration or fear or something, that that's sort of the point of the movie is he is just a straw man, which is like it all. It is your belief in me that makes me big. And it is also then your, uh, you know, your uh, betrayal of me that yeah, makes me disbelief small. or just ability to disbelief, like belief. Yeah really see it as it is and that's where we get into the brilliance of the societal message of what's coming here and if you can isolate to that i think that's where the story gets really good and i think we're all kind of saying that i think that was introduced most by steve here and now when you read it steve is that the take on the book even with all the cosmic stuff i mean what i what i'm asking here is I want to believe that too, but I'm so distracted by the <laughs> creepy gaping maw alien. So how do I appreciate this for what it truly can be? Well, that's that's your challenge as a as a viewer, and 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 everybody brings their own filter to this. And so this is I always bring my literary criticism, you know, chops to to movies and try and deconstruct the text that way. So as far as the, as far as the book, yeah, I mean Stephen King overwrites everything, and his books are ridiculously huge, and he's got this megaverse, macroverse that he likes to play around in. So yeah, it's there. Can you set it aside? Sure, the characters are. There, there, there's so much more in the book. The whole history of Derry that that gets into the nature of it and its 27 year cycles, and that it's it's crash landed there. I mean, that's what we see. So it's stranded on this planet, and this is how it survives: is these 27 year cycles. It feasts, and then it goes into hibernation and, and comes back. So he's playing sure. around with lots of things. Does he need to have internal logic to it? No, he's Stephen King. He can do what he wants. But I think he's you know, created some really compelling characters and the, these filmmakers were able to draw all of these pieces out of it. And they did such a a great job with, to me in the initial introduction of each of these characters, we're seeing how their trauma has carried over. We see that Eddie has married his mother. We see that, um, not literally, Beverly, 
Beverly has has married her father, you know, an abusive man. We've got our architect who's the lonely fat kid who, you know, is presenting his his building and they're saying, let's put up walls. He's like, no, this is about community. Here's the guy whose fear is being alone and isolated, trying to create environments for people to come together. That's what drives his work. And yet see also, also doing it, doing yeah, it alone from meet, his mansion the on the hill. Virtually. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. By right. Because he still got that anxiety, that fear of being alone. So we see all of these pieces there. We get the setups for the characters. And I think they, they did a very nice job with, with pulling this all together. I think there is a certain amount of when you're adapting something, you've got to maintain some integrity and faithfulness. And so we still have those, the, the deadlights shining through the back of Pennywise's skull as he opens his mouth, this weird supernatural sci-fi stuff. I think if it was completely gone, the, some of the fans would be really, really upset. But I think it, it works well enough because any, to me, any horror movie, you're going to have some unexplained supernatural phenomenon. I think that's just a, a mm-hmm. you know, convention of the genre you accept. I'm not always going to understand this. It's going to get defeated. It's an exorcism. It's an Indian right. graveyard. It's, it's a whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. And so we, we, we accept that note going in that there's going to, they're going to defeat it through some mechanism that's going to be, you know, not believable in the real world because we're in a fictional reality. These are the, the but it's, rules. But it's metaphorical. Right. Yes. Yeah. Finding the totems of your pain, getting exactly. rid of them, joining yes. together, asking for help. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. maybe that's how I should watch horror from now on is try to separate myself from the scary stuff and really find the metaphor that it's trying to teach, not teach, that it's yes. trying that's going to be a struggle for you because you're such a literalist. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's why this this whole genre is hard. And but you know that's why I feel like Hater's character that his his token uh, was yes. a literal token <laughs> yeah. from a video game. Yep. I thought was brilliant. Like I actually thought oh, JJ's yeah. gonna get that. <laughs> like, oh, it it's be. an actual token, <laughs> just like he said. It's a token. Of course it is. It's a token. That's that's what I was supposed yeah. to do. Go get a token. Yeah. That's not in the book. Right. His no. questions no, about his not. sexuality. No, that's totally different. And I like yeah. how not overly explicit it was. No right. one ever says anything. Nope. After, you know, explicitly. I thought that was nicely done. Well, that and the storytelling in this movie, that's something that that I'm trying to make the point about earlier is that usually I like a lot of the mythology to be sort of like spoon fed to me, especially in a scarier movie. But they did a really good job of showing, not telling in this movie in a way that allowed you to experience it over time. And I think for me, that was really hard because I was trying to assuage myself from all this fear. But I think that it shows a real maturity in the way that they tell this story. Because I think that uh, there would be a lot that they maybe want to trot out there and put out. Did you guys, did any of you guys see the one, the Tim Curry version? Yeah. Yep. How how do they compare? I mean, obviously it matters because even in that version, there were a ton of stars and it was a big deal. Well, it's been a very long time, but I I find it incredibly hard to talk about because I think Bill Skarsgård has so deftly redefined Pennywise for a generation. Like, I think he just, I mean, Tim Curry was great. He was the Pennywise. And now I can't right. even look at him. Like, it's just like, oh. He no, was he's... great, but now it feels like a an obvious first draft. Oh, like, interesting. It's the, like, just an unworkshop Here's the thing Pennywise. that you do. And we were all like, oh my gosh. And he was so yeah. great. But I think a lot of that is because he's Tim Curry. Right. Like, he just brings yeah. his voice, his face bring so much character to things yeah. now. I mean, there's so much with what Skarsgård is doing. There's like within one thing, like within one scene, there's weird 
malevolence and then also doubt yeah and pain yeah. like he's shame shame there's so much going on in his stuff it's really it's even it's hard when he was deflating at the very end spoiler alert it was yeah. hard for me to watch i was like you are the epitome of evil yeah. and yet you're making me feel sorry for you it was perfect. Uh, I yeah. thought he's just incredible. That was a that was a beautiful little turn at the end, and it was the end sequence that I felt like this the the movie came off the rails for me, and um and and yet that I I found that sequence in particular super redemptive uh for the character, and it was it was damn near touching as all of them are gripping the heart together, uh and and you know sharing in this journey of destroying now anthropomorphized fear and, and all he uh, and he's together. just complete vulnerability and fear he becomes his yeah, own meal right which is yeah right a lot super interesting and i agree with you i think that what he did with this was super amazing so it, 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 we talk about what's you know you remember curry as the as the embodiment of pennywise before and now this is this new thing what else about this story in particular i mean this was the highest the first one was the highest grossing horror film of all time this is a big deal what is it about this story and what is it about this thing that we're going to take through that's going to that we're going to remember i mean it can't just be fear of clowns right like this wasn't this wasn't <laughs> what taught everyone to fear clowns was it i i think a lot of the first movie's success comes from it fronts in my my personal opinion it fronts is a really hardcore horror movie so it's got like that did you see it but it's not it's actually for me not that actual scary it's more of a fun house it's very accessible i will say that first of, one is just jump scared jump scared jump, jump scared, scared jump scared there's not a lot safe. to hang on to yeah and but for me it's like it's almost like i think the reason it's almost like a crossover of old town road of like rap and country. If you're not a, if you're not a huge fan of either, right. this will help you through. Cause it's kind of stand by me and pretending to be really scary horror, but it's not really that scary. So it takes you by the hand and everyone can sort of come in. That's yeah. it's old town road for me. The first one. That's interesting. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. I, I think for me, I, I think it's actually uh, incredibly deft casting. And I, I want to oh, make yeah. sure we talk about the pairing because we're we're getting a little bit long in the tooth here. And I, I feel like we got to talk about some of the mechanics that were really important to me in the movie beyond just the cultural okay. resonance of the story. Uh, this is it's important to me to move on here. First of all, the casting was exceptional to a character, to my eye. Are you talking about it too? The, the way the it both i mean the kids yeah. to the adults that's the thing that really stood out every single face i saw echoes of the the youth and yeah. uh i i found the de-aging of the kids in this one super distracting i think it was uh the, but i went in looking for it i didn't it. even I, know so it was i thought I, they shot the of, whole thing with just the kids yeah didn't even I get didn't it know, and i no. thought it was across the board i didn't have a single moment of that weird uncanny valley I you saw it, was, it i thought that they were just Really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the when they first saw them in the underground, when the lighting was a little bit darker, then I could see every single mouth move that was oh. off, like everything just super. I was really attuned to I it. Was just too scared. Um, too scared. But I, I think just in general, the kids uh, to the adults, I think it was amazing. It was just amazing. I I didn't like. Sometimes you get that thing, where especially we have groups of kids to adults in these in these tra jumping over the transom of time. Ooh. where you lose track of which one is paired with uh. which. And uh, I, I never had That's that problem at all. Uh, I, I thought they were all great. 
absolutely right. Bill Hader's national treasure. James McAvoy, I thought was great too. He's yep. great in everything. And you did see the vein, the beast nice. vein that I thought was a nice throwback. Nice throwback. They didn't <laughs> remove that. There were some times in some of his uh, stuttering when I was like, that's almost that kid. Yeah. Like it got, it got into a little, we're getting into Dennis or yeah. like, I don't remember everyone's name, but Hedwig. 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 Yeah. I, I think all of them were great, but I got to call out Isaiah Mustafa. What a fantastic mm. performance of this guy who, who shows up as like, sh- just kind of like ashamed, but yet so confident that he is doing the right thing. And just this sort of meagerness is that, in this, is that Mike? In, in this character. Yes. Got it. Okay. That that's Mike, and the fact that he is, you know, he's the the uh, like the old spice man's man really? guy. You know, know I mean, I just think it was it was really great. Yeah, yeah, he's I'm on Wait, a boat literally? right now. Literally? <laughs> like, yeah. he, he was the commercial. Uh, yeah, he was that. That was his first gig. Was the was the? I guess um, I don't recognize him because the boat. And in this, ladies, so, make your man smell like the man you want to smell awesome. like. And in right? this, he's so vulnerable. He's yeah. so vulnerable. And I, yeah. I thought that was wow. um, was really great. I was really impressed by by him, and and love seeing him getting this size of a stage uh, uh, in this film. I think he was he was terrific. And so, Chastain is I, yeah, every movie perfect. I see her in, I, I, I like her more and more. I mean, I, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I am a huge fan of hers and every movie we've done about uh, the, with one of her movies on the, on yeah. the show, I've been yeah. super impressed with uh, Molly's game. We did, um, Miss Sloan, Sloan on trailer rewind. Oh yeah. I mean, she is just yeah. fantastic. I love her work. Can we talk briefly about the, the clever cameos? Yeah. Please. Yes. Because I, I heard there was one unexpected one. And I thought that as it was starting, I thought, well, I, w- I wonder what this weird cameo is going to be. Is it going to be something at the end as part of the reveal? And no, we get it right up front. I think I was the only person in my theater that laughed out loud, maybe because I'm the only one that recognized Peter Bogdanovich as the director of the film. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> so great. It's like. Your ending sucks. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, and the way that he, in his scarf, yes. ascends from on high. <laughs> right. In this ridiculous. And then he's like, back to one. Yeah. Back to one. <laughs> back to one. And back, then it goes back up. Ascends yeah. up to the heavens again. And then, of course, Stephen King is the this little owner of the the pawn shop yeah. or whatever, because he's yeah. normally. He was yeah, really good. He it was, was nice to see Stevie in, in his one of his movies again. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, there was another one that I, I wanted to point out that I thought was really charming, the, uh, and that is uh, Brandon okay. Crane. Uh, if you saw the first it, the miniseries, Young uh, oh, the, right. Ben. Yep. Yeah. Uh, young Ben Wiscom, Hanscom, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Wiscom Hanscom. Yeah. Wiscom. Ben Hanscom. It was Ben Hanscom uh, was played by Brandon Crane, age 12. And uh, so cut to this. The very first time we meet elder Ben Hanscom in this movie is in the yeah. boardroom, right? And the, the and old guy fake, who's saying, we need more right. walls, yeah. right? That is Brandon Crane playing now in a scene opposite the new Ben Hanscom, which I thought was really charming. Yeah, right. And of course and you're yes. going to think he's Ben because he's Ben. Exactly. I exactly. And, I thought that was a lovely little fake out. And yeah. it's not a cameo, but it was neat how you were sold on that we were seeing Ben. And, there was a Ben kind of you would assume that's how he grew up in yep. the room. And then real Ben shows up and he's like, hi, I'm made of brilliance <laughs> and beautifulness yeah. and God gave me a touch up. Yeah. And, and the fact that the old Ben Hanscom in the original movie, do you remember who no. played him? 
handsome, handsome John. <laughs> <Hall>. <laughs> Love it. He was he was great. Do you remember who played uh, Richie Tozer? Richie, Harry Anderson was very disappointing. Oh, Harry Anderson. I mean, Harry Anderson's fine and all, but like such a great, fertile character. And then they gave to the judge from Night Court. (laughs) Judge from Night Court. And in the beginning scene, he does it. One of his dumb magic. Oh, no. At some point, we're all going to look back on this and say, whoops. (laughs) But Annette O'Toole uh, was in the original. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the originals. Oh, I am. Uh, It was super fun. Uh, back to the the casting, the building the team bit I thought was fantastic. There's a whole sequence of building the team where we're learning about the team, and and some of the stuff is a little bit I, I feel like controversial as I'm reading other others uh, talking about it. Uh, you know the abuse, the spousal abuse in the in the you know the uh, initial meeting of Beverly, um, and, and in fact the the opening uh, assault. Which is as brutal an assault that you see on the bridge as we get, and it isn't that how that's how the book begins, right? Is the assault on Adrian? It's like the second chapter of the book. So we start with Georgie, and then we go to you know cut to that's how we get into the present, which was an interesting note on the mechanics. Like instead of going back and forth, they you know split out the timelines, which I thought was really uh, effective, if not a little bit chaotic in this movie. I thought that was great. One of the things that we talked about the horror versus the um, you know, not being that horror horrific. Um, I think they get away with that because of cleverness and humor, yes. right? Every yep. horrible like sequence is managed by a gag or an incredibly cool transition that is super distracting. And <laughs> yes. the building the team one, right? We go to Stanley, and I think it's Stanley's transition where we go from horrible thing to we're underneath a puzzle. Yes. Love that. And we go up I through love the puzzle. The puzzle. Like, that was so yes. cool. Uh, there was another one, the transition, the call to Ben transition. Uh, oh, that was the call to the the, the thing, the, the um, uh, Bill Hader vomiting, yeah. like coming oh, yeah. out onto the bridge was a great transition. Uh, the opening transition into the gutter cuts, like it goes into the gutter and then these lights come out of it. And it turns out we're already in the carnival by the time you know where you are. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that sort of cleverness after uh, genuinely horrific things offsets the scary stuff and it gives you a, a sense of um i don't know it's a little bit perforated well, it, it gives you room to breathe so that's, that's, yeah. that's yeah. some of that accessibility yeah. that i was talking about he's very good right. at that stuff the transitions were some of that's the reason i want to go back what i don't think that the director is the best at is he can have a sequence and it's really kind of spooky and quiet and neat and he doesn't he doesn't have a governor. He'll go from that to 20. Right. Like the, the scene with um, Jessica Chastain and the old woman. Yeah. But when she comes, when she finally runs out and is like insanely, this was in the first one too. There was so much unnecessary CGI. The practical stuff works really good. Like I don't remember the, I'm not going to want to go back and see the woman with, and then she has mouths yes, on her throat. Like, I get it. Throat. Just because you can, you don't have to. What I will remember is in the first movie, Richie walking into that in, that room with all of the clowns. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I wish he, like, I wish he, I kind of feel like he, I wish he had more confidence in just being small. Because ev- almost That's every the sequence scariest stuff. At, at some point goes too insane. Well, like Paul Bunyan gets 
too well, insane. Even, Everything yes. gets I, too I agree. Much. I mean, my favorite sort of, I thought it was handled really well at first was the the three doors. And it's like, oh, he's 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 messing with us. Let's go to the one that's not scary. Oh crap, that's scary. Okay, let's let's okay, he's not messing with us. Let's go this one. And it's the Pomeranian, which was a great gag, but then it turns it then then. Yeah. It, again, like Tommy says, it goes to 20. Right. It goes way right. above yeah. and beyond what it needed to do because it was. Just let it be a right. gag. Yeah. Well, it like, was you, great. Can, you can push it into the into the scary. It just didn't need to be a seven foot tall CG swirling horror thing. It, there were uh, there's other right. ways to be smart about how to how to take the small dog and make it terrifying without it, just. Right. There are yeah. scenes. Did you notice that the the callback to those three doors is we saw the other half of that right. yes. girl, <laughs> the legs. We all figured yeah. that out. Okay, because in the first one she was hanging, the top half yes. of her was hanging, and in the last time you saw her, I just I thought that <laughs> was there awesome. are places where the humor seems wrong to me though too. Can you guys explain to me the angel yes. in the morning? What angel was that? In the morning? Was, we got eight seconds of that song, and then it's just. It weirdly did you laugh? Did anyone laugh? Worked for me. Okay, I did, and there was tons of times when I was like, "Why would you put this gag there? Right. You completely suck the air out of things." Tons, yes. tons, and even Hater is thrown some of those for that for me because his entire so much of his identity is about avoiding yes. grossness that he actually had to give him a moment of pure. He's winning. He's defighting the grossness. They bring it up later about the choking. He's really winning. And then that that's the horrible gift is to be completely slimed. I wish it had actually been a little bit grosser to but the, authorize the, right, the song in the morning, ruined but, it. I mean, the song made it. It's the it's the camp. I know. Well, it made it know, funny. I guess. Yeah. The Pomeranian. I laughed. I get at. it. The, the, the song I was like, oh, OK. That that harkens to me. It, it it calls back just to sliming in general. Like a really effective slime scene was in it one, when, and it was super practical when the sink blows up yes. and she's covered in blood, and it gives us a wonderful experience of watching the losers get back together and and help her and and demonstrate their isolation and their loneliness because nobody else can see it. I mean, all of that stuff I think worked really really well, and I didn't get as much of that here. And I found that frustrating because it was I felt like there was more opportunity here because they had the richness of the adult cast that I think was working so well. I loved their dinner. I loved their introduction <laughs> yeah. to dinner so much. And and I even think that nonsense like fortune cookie gag yeah, was, you know, it, it was. But that isn't it was one where the humor worked yeah. so well, because, again, nobody else could see it as they go crazy and destroy a restaurant. That moment, that beat was super restrained. And I think that that actually worked very, very well for me. <laughs> it was one real quick, quick other thing is I started to get a little nervous when it was clear that they were going to separate everyone and everyone had to go on these individual journeys. While I like the idea of that, something that I think is forgotten so much in horror is the power of panic in groups. That it's always the MO is to send one person down a hallway. Everyone's ready for that. Like to have a bunch of people go. So then when they teamed up, and even when by two by two and stuff, like in the Pennywise cave and stuff, it was such a relief of like to get back. The problem to that with stuff. this story, why you can't do that is because that was one of the Book of the Vampire things of the first movie. That he needed to separate right. them to scare them. Like, I agree with you. I think that's a powerful thing in horror to do. Unfortunately, with this story, isolation is kind of the key metric for their fear. 
and that's why I was I was okay with it. Yeah. It ended up working. Like the I actually could have used during some of those, or maybe it just would have been repetitive when everyone went on this very episodic journey. Everyone goes on their walk for their totem, and after a while, you're like, oh right, like another character. I loved how in the in when they go back to the house on Niebold Street, they start intercutting between them. I kind of maybe would have liked that to cut down on the episodic nature in the in those first ones, or maybe then that would have made the Niebold Street stuff seem repetitive. I'm not sure. It was just it's very ambitious, a lot to cover. Yeah, there's a lot of meanwhile back at the ranch right. going on in this. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes tiresome. Why then? Like the the. It, I, I just feel like it devolves when it becomes giant Pennywise in the middle of a cavern and all the little people running from side to side. Hmm. I found that just exhausting and predictable. Yeah. I and don't care I about done. that at all. I was done. I mean, that that's the thing. Like that. The, well, there's a difference, JJ. Do you not care about it or not the, care the, the for same. it? The, 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 I equally. <laughs> okay. Because it's not. There's. That's the point Canada. where I'm like, I don't get the joy of this moment. Because... Uh, it yes. it doesn't have any story weight to it at all. It's it, and it is it it's not a jump scare at that point either. It's kind of like a big WTF moment. Like that's all it is, and in capital letters. Yeah, I agree with you on that because I they they do the ritual. The the dead lights come down into the container. They try to Mike tries to put the lid on. It turns into the giant balloon, and I thought, okay, this the the plan has failed. So things are going to get crazy from here how are they going to handle this and then when it's giant pennywise chasing them around i thought okay what's their plan they can run from him for how long clearly they need a plan to do this and what i got was well we had this in the beginning we're throwing some echoes back to them as kids where it's pennywise the spider chasing them around and it is from the book that that is sort of the the manifestation of pennywise is this spidery thing so that's that's drawn in there but yeah i didn't need that it was they needed some purpose there, and it was well. We need a chase scene here, and it, it. I agree with you guys. It didn't work for me. I didn't receive joy from that part at all. I just thought, oh, I, I really hope they can redeem this ending a little bit better than just you know running around and, and throwing rocks at him. I think maybe one of the reasons that I gave it a little bit more of a pass because Pete, in the very beginning, you brought up it's the epitome of running around fake things, throwing fake things and things. Tom answered this. One of the reasons that I, <laughs> what I was okay with it is that is how the book, he is a spider in his form. And in the original TV series, we didn't have any of this technology. If you remember how it was done, it was all a shadow effect on a cave oh. wall where yeah. you see a poorly animated spider and a bunch of people being like, Rawr! because they were trying to honor the book. This yeah. at least looked pretty good to me. And still while having to honor the book, I thought it was kind of at that point, I was just so along for the ride and was worried yeah. about Eddie. Like, yeah. I mean, the characterization and stuff was the end, the ending with the friendship stuff. I yeah, yeah. literally right. that, that was up. the third ending, <laughs> second ending. Third, third, third ending. Third ending. When it gets stand by me, where he's ending. If anyone, do you ever have friends like you do yeah. in the whatever grade? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, does anyone like they're literally ending it the same way as stand by yeah. me? And I was like, <laughs> I have yep. old friends too. So wait, are you yeah. talking about the time in the lake? I but see, you know what? Like it's funny. I I I hear where you're going with that. And anytime the friends are like uh, talking with each other and feels 
I'm into that. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the I bites. was riding the dragon the whole time. Yeah, hearing Stan. And then when they started switching the adults, the voices between the adults and the kids, and it's not matching because they're all each other. So manipulative, so easy, so breakfast club. But I was like, I'm, I was, I'm a loser Benny too. Because e. it is such a <laughs> the night. Yeah, it is such a weird ending of like, we're all losers. We're the worst. And we're always going to be pieces of ass. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, <laughs> it's so weird. But it was right. super effective because I cared yeah, they, about the people. That's cared about the yeah. kids. Cared about the, about the adults. Yeah. $38 million on one day. That's pretty good, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's off yeah. to a heck of a yeah. start. I think it's, you know, there's no competition now, really. Is there anything else that it's up against in the theaters right now? Angel I know has that fallen. Because I've been watching this. Watching how it does against Gerard Butler. Is that what we're looking at? <laughs> Maybe. Because I'm just fascinated by the that. Thing. That the 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 blank has fallen oh. seems like the, the JAG or the NCIS of movies. Yes. Yes. Like I know no one that sees them and yet it always goes great. So it's either everyone's parents or it's a movie that somehow people leave on so their cat doesn't get lonely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they leave their house. Right. But it's in yes. a theater. <laughs> well done, Tommy. I was ready to just steamroll over you, but the okay. cat thing, that was good. That was well timed. Angel, Angel has fallen is the, in uh, second place yeah. and it made less than two million dollars on Friday. So it it is crushing. Yeah. yeah. The the other one that, that is getting, I mean, in terms of uh, direct competition, I, I don't know that if that my if my choice is, gosh, should I see it? My, the other movie is Angel Has Fallen or Spider-Man Far From Home Extended Cut. But I might see Ready or Not, which is getting some great oh, reviews, right? Um, I loved uh, Ready or Not. Tommy. It's oh, so man. much fun. <laughs> it's so much and fun. it's a taut hour and a half. Yeah. Like that's, if that's your choice. Well, it's so short. It, it, it Did you see it with the short movie before it, Steve? Wait, did anyone see I, it? I, I, I saw it. There was no short movie before it. Oh, here it's playing with a short, oh. like a hor- a little horror oh, short nice. before it, I think, because it's oh, so short. But yo, Ready or Not is that's great. dynamite. Okay. That's good to hear. Speaking of little Sorry. shorts, did you guys have the weird, you thought you were getting it and you ended up getting a, a, uh, oh, a different movie yes. there? Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. Harley yes. Quinn. Exactly. Okay. That's another movie that has the stupid title in the script. What are we, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, okay. yes, there's the Harley Quinn. I'm so sick yes. of clowns. This is the second mm-hmm. time that that studio has done it. The first one is with that new movie by uh, um, whoever directed Interstellar. Oh, Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. Yeah, his new movie. It's something like Tenet. Tenet. Yes. They're doing there. You can't find it on yeah, the internet. It's only showing up oh, in okay. theaters cool. as these little weird fake outs. They're kind of making uh, it's kind of like The Walking Dead in theaters. Like they're talking dead. I mean, they're giving a reason yes, to see it like that. live in, oh, the, okay. in the theater. One other kind of, yeah, uh, tidbit of trivia before we close up, too. So we've been talking so much about it. Chapter one, uh, taking over the spot as the highest grossing horror film of all time. If you haven't looked it up already, do you know what it unseated? I'll tell you the year, 1999. Oh. Scream. No. You wouldn't think of this movie as a horror film, but it, it, it to think that this is the last one that was number one from 1999, that's a long time for a movie. Yeah. Original material. Can you give us a clue? 
Or is this uh, not fun to play a guessing game on a podcast? Shyamalan. Oh, oh, six cents. Six oh, cents. the six cents. Yeah, isn't yes, that okay. interesting? That it's the yeah. six cents in '99 that it's unseated. I thought that was really interesting, and I like that. I, I, I guess I like that there, that there's that much resonance with a movie like that, with original material and all that stuff. And if this is what's doing it, I think maybe there's some that there's some warranting to this movie, especially these two movies, it one and two, having this kind of significance to push it over the edge on it. 2017 to 1999 that's what 28 years that's a that's a pretty good run for six cents no that's 18 years so math and i aren't friends horror and i aren't friends you know we're (laughs) trying to work all these things out. (laughs) i like how i was just like yep yeah yep sure that's a number (laughs) you're saying numbers i'm all in so it's 18 years that's still not a short amount of time nothing to sneeze at Exactly. Did you guys have anything else in closing that you'd like to talk about with this one? Yes. One really last quick thing. One of my favorite things in horror cinema and in all cinema, but really horror, it's making a real comeback is the idea of using memory, using flashbacks of having like the kid actor run by the adult actor in the same phrase. The director, Mike Flanagan, who's one of my favorite horror directors right now. He's the guy behind Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. And he does it on, uh, he did it in Oculus. He is the master of doing that. Like, that's his big trick. And I feel like Andy Moo Spaghetti really, like, <laughs> like copied to a T his way of doing it. It's just, it gives me a thrill. We talked about the, the our love, Pete, about the practical stuff more than the crazy CGI. That is such a low rent, easy thing to do. And it just my favorite mm-hmm. thing in the entire world. I think, did they do it with Stanley or did they do it with Eddie? The, the face on the face to transition. Well, the face on the face was, was with Eddie. Eddie because that, that is so good. That was in like, I thought it was the kid with makeup on. Right. <laughs> like he looks, they are just key. They are just so great. perfect. Yeah. So with that, maybe it's time that we should rank it. I really like this movie and I couldn't come up with a theme because I got too obsessed with it takes two, like it takes two to make a clown give a fright, but that's stupid. <laughs> and then I got obsessed with it to Brute and that doesn't make any sense. And I it's couldn't get past those for a song. And so I literally have nothing. Flick chart! My apologies. <laughs> but I do like this movie. I just couldn't. It was like an earworm I gave myself. I'm putting that okay. whole thing on the CD. We've got all the movies that we've talked about on this show ranked over at flickchart.com slash TNR Filmboard. Flickchart is a really cool site where you can create a tournament style stack ranking of your movie preferences. So go check it out and find out how your film favorites fare against ours. Who has got the keys to the castle today? I'm in it. And, you know, it's it's funny. I've got the it, uh, not that this is predictive or anything, but, you know, Flickchart has this little stats before you rank it. You can see how how the film is doing in the global ranking of Flickchart oh. users. And right now it's ranked 72,663rd. Uh, it wins 37 percent of its matchups. Only 77 total users oh. have ranked it. Oh, wow. So it's only been Can't ranked 77 times. And uh, zero people have it at number one. Zero people have it in their top twenty. Oh, so just just you know, throw our hat in the ring. Uh, I'm going to let us add it to the flick chart and go to the grid. Yeah, (laughs) first up, it chapter two or hail Caesar. (laughs) It It, chapter chapter two. two. 
That's two for a chapter two. That's correct. Yeah, I will have to. I will say it chapter two. All right, it chapter two came up on my flip chart too. How about it chapter two or Captain America Civil War? Civil War for me. Civil War for me. Is that the airport one? Um, yeah. Yes. yes. To be on, yeah, Civil War. It's because I just I want to see. I've seen TV. Civil War too many times. That one sequence that I love, <laughs> the airport scenes, and I want to see yeah. it too yeah. again. So, like, I want to vote for it, but I don't think that that's right. That's I hear you. Steve was about, nodding. Yeah, I, I will. Mar- see, yeah. Marvel is tough. Uh, to, to, yeah, it's a, it's its own thing, and it has its own pleasure. But th- there's a complexity to the characters in this. One. I yeah, it, yeah. Uh, okay. All right. How about it? Chapter two or solo Star Wars story? It chapter two. It's chapter two. It chapter two. Oh, take that. Yeah. All right. It, it solo aged poorly with it chapter two or Captain Marvel. Oh, it chapter two for me. It chapter two for me. Uh, the Marvel's like popcorn, you know. Uh, it doesn't have the substance. It's fu- right. but it's so dang fun. I will tell you a lot of this positivity about me ranking yeah. here like this is because of the conversation. No, I I think because mm. I can't do horror on my own. I would have walked no. away with that being negative. Like on my flick chart, it doesn't show up well at all because I did it before we did this. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. feeling better about it after talking about. This yeah, thing. I'll go at chapter two. How about it? Chapter two or the man from UNCLE chapter two, because as much as I enjoyed it, I can't keep the man from uncle in my head. I remember walking out and I was like, I loved it. I can't remember a single part. They were in a boat at one point. (laughs) They were. (laughs) And I, I want uncle. I I remember, see, I've seen it again. And I remember our initial conversation. We had some issues with the end. There was some thing. There was some mechanics going on at the end that uh, with double crossing. Bill write it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, uh, but I do love Uncle. So I'm going to go with Uncle. Wait. So it's two to one. So it's two to one. Two, and I'm I'm at chapter two. So okay. we have a tie. Oh boy. So Pete and Steve do Rochambeau, please. All right. I'll give it to you, Steve. I'll what? give it to I'll, oh, he said I'll give, give it to you because I it, it's yeah no I if, if we're if we're split I I wasn't that that firm on Uncle it is a lot of fun and I enjoy it this is how we beat fear on this show we compromise it's a smart thing yeah no I just I just won it was a Rosham don't I'll compromise I'll we compromise I, it doesn't it, they're they're I'm happy with either way on that one yeah great it wins I'm, I'm gonna it tell wins. you this one <laughs> the next mashup here is really hard uh-huh. for me actually maybe it's pretty easy i don't know it chapter two or split oh split for me. both are so have so many problems and so many great parts <gasps> split for me it. <laughs> from the cheap seats split takes it i'll give it to you like as if it's uh... <laughs> A thing that I can do. <laughs> this, is, this is interesting. Uh, you guys, this puts split, no, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> at uh, number 24 on wow. our flick chart. Out of right after Molly's game. Oh, oh see, so, Jessica, there you are. At oh. least Jessica stays intact. Uh, so that's 24. That's a 71%, three and a half stars. If we were to judge by the algorithm for again, and, I, and like I said, this has moved up for me. I actually am going to say it's three stars. And because now I have a sense of what the story means, because I didn't from the movie, I was too scared. I, it's a like for me. So I started out this podcast saying it wasn't. 
but I it's three and a like for me. And I think Jessica Chastain might be my favorite actress in Hollywood. What? Yes. yes. Oh. Meryl. Just... <laughs> I assume Meryl straight listens. I know. She loves it. Sorry, Tara Reed. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's out of four. If it's out of four, it's three it's and a like five. for me. Out of five. It's out of five? It's out of five. Out of five. Four, four. And half, half. Four, four and a like for me. I will go Eight. with three and a half and a like. Three, four, three and a half. All likes. I think I'm uh, three and a half. Perfect. Three and a half and a like. We all get it. I assume you're a like too, Pete. Didn't mean to jump Yes. In. I'm going to heart that. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Where do we go from here? We had a great uh, listener suggestion in our green room talk before this show to check out in October a Bong Joon-ho movie coming out, Parasite. So that is our plan for October. Remind the audience who Bong Joon-ho is. Bong Joon-ho. No, why don't you, Tommy? Well, he loves the cinema. He's a big flick man. Sorry, I don't know his Pete name. Dandy did Snowpiercer on yes. him. They did. You guys did an entire Bong Joon-ho series. We did a whole series. Bong Joon-ho series. Yes, yeah. and did the host. I mean, he's he's great. I'm excited for it. It may be a little scary again, but I'm, I've been happy with his movie, so I'm excited to do that one. It is in limited release, so we're not sure yet. We have to make sure it's showing in Portland and Phoenix, or else Tommy's going to do a film board all by himself in L.A. <laughs> but Everything shows in my backyard. But that's coming out the weekend of October 11th, so that's what we're looking to do for the film board in October. Pete, are you guys still talking about uh, Robin Hood there on the main show? It's been so long. All right, now. What comes after Easy. it? Just maybe. Easy, everybody. Oh, yeah, I preview. know. Robin Hood has been, it's an exhaustive survey of the Robin Hoods. Yes. Just, but important. It's good. good. It's clever. So we did, uh, let's see, as this uh, goes live, we are talking about, I unbelievably we have three more robin hood movies. oh my goodness i didn't realize uh, at this point we have robin hood 91 the john irving uh film we just talked about robin hood prince of thieves Yay. last week yep which you know uh yes and then we have robin hood men in tights and then we have robin hood 2010 the ridley scott version and we are doing the director's cut of that film so Very we good. have three more robin hood but after that look it's all cronenberg all the time so cool. get ready we start oh, with shivers cronenberg. we end with dead ringers and we've got a full eight uh seven seven cronenberg films yes we're doing rabid yes we're doing scanners yes we're doing videodrome <laughs> Nightbreed? Fun. Every single one of them. Are you going to do ones where he just starred in, like Nightbreed? Uh, we are not doing that. I'll tell you, Shivers, Rabid, Fast Company, The Brood, mm. Scanners, Videodrome, Deadbringers, and The Jerk. No, that's Steve Martin. <laughs> yes, we're doing a whole Steve Martin series, too. <laughs> Well, that's great. And that's exciting going forward. I know there's been some Robin Hood angst, but I've been happy with the shows. There's been a couple that I've been uh, listening to and being happy with uh, learning all about. The Prince of Thieves episode is especially fun to listen to because I feel like a lot of people know that movie. That's from kind of the sweet spot of our film grow up culture, I feel like. So there's a lot of interesting stuff to listen to in those shows. And you I, want a real downer, hit Robin and Marion and then just watch the last 10 minutes because I mean... Yeah, <laughs> I didn't talk about it in the show open, but we just did talk about it in our green room session. We do that before every film board uh, talk here. We meet with people in our discord server and we chat about the movie that we're doing this month and just all the different stuff going on there. If you don't know about our discord server, you should go and check out the next Let us know that you want to see more of us on that server where we gather with all of our film fun film friends and discuss lots of things and stuff and nonsense from around and inside the entertainment globe. 
the deadlights of the entertainment world. <laughs> <laughs> There's also specific chats about our shows and lots of spoilerific fun to be had by all. So come and join us on Discord because that's where we'll keep the conversation going. For this one, say goodnight, Pete Wright. You'll float too. You'll float too. See you later, Tommy Hanson. You lied and I died. <laughs> one more word from Steve Sarmento. This meeting of the Losers Club has officially ended. Ondo, everyone. <laughs> Yay! At the next reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins. Till next. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today.